glorious church. Do you hear them coming, brother, thronging up the streets of life? Clad in glorious royal garments, blood-washed garments pure and white. Well, it's a glorious church without Also, many of our youth are out, 
And so, uh, but I just want to greet all of you that are here. I'm so glad that you are here. Thank you for coming. And uh, it's going to be a glorious morning in this glorious church. Amen. I'm looking so forward to what God has prepared for us through the ministry of the music and also of the of the preaching that we will hear and just the fellowship of believers. If you would, just look left and right and greet one another. And um, let's, uh, let's put it uh, down in... Down in C, and sing an old song that I was listening to this morning. It's um, <clears throat> on Jordan's stormy banks I stand and cast a wishful eye. On Jordan's stormy banks I stand and cast a wishful eye. It's a good morning to be a believer, isn't it? Amen. I'm so happy about this. We, um, Brother Knobloch, be prepared to come up and take these requests to the, uh, to the Lord in prayer. I'd like to have a few announcements here. Uh, Brother Jeff Jackson is away at work. Uh, this is in addition to, of course, all our youth being out and the, and the family camp that's going on. Um, the crosses are in Florida, so pray for them and pray for safe traveling for them as well. Uh, Brother Brian McCall, it's not feeling well. Sister Jenny Leonard from West Virginia, um, 
she's uh, uh, stricken really uh, ba badly with COVID. And please keep her in your prayers. She is the administrator at the uh, Bible Way Christian School and uh, does a, a good work for the Lord. So praying for her and all of the students that are relying on her. Um, uh, Kate Bailey, she's the daughter-in-law of Brother Don Bailey in, the, in the Manchester. Uh, she was hospitalized last night with some stomach issues. Just praying that the Lord will uh, help the physicians to determine what's wrong and send her some healing. Uh, Brother Troy is out of town, and the Whitlocks are working today. And we want to pray for the uh, Sister Lisa's parents, the Pascal's parents. Um, they're also stricken with COVID today, and the drums are still out as well. Please keep them in your prayer. So, brother, if you would uh, come forward, and uh, let's just earnestly uh, take these names and um, just to apply our energy and our thoughts and our prayers um, to our to the to the part of the body that's uh, struggling right now. Any any prayer requests, just by uplifted hand, many of us as well, and. Um, it's good to, be, good to be here this morning. Amen. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you in your gracious mercy. We just thank you for this beautiful morning you've given us. We just ask you to bless the minister as he comes. And we just ask you to watch over and touch these uh, prayer requests that are any. Father, we just thank you for the ones that were able to, to come. And we just uh, watch over the ones that are traveling and uh, bring them back safely. And we just thank you for this uh, for this word and this time together. We ask in Jesus' name.
Amen. Let's stand. But he's, he's not too busy to care this morning uh, while we're standing if we uh, if we could <clears throat> let's just prepare to worship him with our tithes and our offerings and uh, we know and trust that uh, that which we give we multiplied a hundredfold if not here on earth uh, with crowns of glory in the in the land to come amen and brother we pray over the offering Sing the wondrous love of Jesus, sing His mercy and His grace. i 
And Brother Keith, would you mind coming to sing in the special for us? I kind of sprang this on him this morning, but he's a fountain of songs. Amen? And so I can trust in that. Tell you what, are you thinking about it? Let's sing that chorus one more time. When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. song comes to mind here. I just, uh, in a world of, it's all about social media and putting things on social media, doing crazy things just to see how many likes people can get or whatever, which I, I think is totally crazy, but, you know, though I got to thinking about it and the one thing that's really important is, does he like what I'm doing? One thing that we really just need to worry about is my Lord truly satisfied with me. This is an old, old song. Just help me sing. One glorious day Jesus came and he made me whole. He so completely satisfied my soul. Now as I face life's dark I wonder if he is satisfied with me. Satisfied with God's redemption plan. I'm satisfied, it's sufficient for all men. And I'm satisfied with what He done at Calvary. But I wonder, is He truly satisfied with me? Stand up. 
thee That you might be fully satisfied with me Oh, sing it with me His smile will say, he is satisfied with me. Amen. Well done, my good and faithful servant. And uh, I tell you what, like we sang before, it's not by my works, it's by his grace that I'm in this church. And how is he satisfied with us? It's through the blood of Jesus Christ, and we're trusting in that. We just want to not try to work things up in of ourselves, but we have to let go. Amen. And let Jesus take over. Let's sing that. Well, let go and get Jesus to take over and give up. And let Jesus take over. Give up. Give up. And let Jesus take over. And he'll, he'll make a way. Give up and let Jesus take over. Give up and let Jesus take over. Give up and let Jesus take over. And He'll He'll make a way for you. Hold to God's unchanging hand. I will hold. God's unchanging hand. Let's just hold to God's unchanging hand. Build your hopes on things eternal. And hold to God's unchanging hand. Time is filled.
Let's trust in Him. Amen. Well, trust in Him will not lead you. Whatsoever years may It only requires two or three that are gathered in your name. And there you would be in our midst. Father, have your way, I pray today. Lord, there are many special requests that have been mentioned. And we commit each and every need into your hands now by the grace of God. We pray, Father, that you would minister to uh, Brother Jaron's grandmother, who's heading into surgery now, Lord. And we place her into your hands and ask that you would guide the hands of the Medical team, Lord, that will attend to her uh, in her fragile state. And we commit her, Lord, with confidence to you. And all of these special requests, Lord, that have been given, we ask, O oh God, that you would just be attentive 
Because, Lord, you taught us to cast our cares upon you because you care for us. Lord, we commit our time into your hands today and ask that you would bless the reading of the word and the hearing of the word. And, Lord, we ask that you would be the teacher today and just instruct us in righteousness. And, Father, I pray today, lastly, that you would just minister mightily at the camp today with all of our young people and our families. Lord, we ask that you would just move in their midst, Lord, and just have your uh, hand upon the minister today, Lord, and may you direct him in just exactly the way you would have him to go. We thank you, Lord, for their time together down there and ask now that you would uh, just enrich each soul, Father, either here or there or wherever your bride gathers, Lord. We, we have confidence, Lord, that you're able to minister to your people. We ask all these things in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. And amen. Uh, all right, let's sing one more little chorus here, Since I Saw My Name on the Book of Redemption. Since I Saw My Name on the Book, and then we're going to let you uh, take your Bibles there in just a moment. So let's sing this chorus here. Since I saw my name in the book of redemption, since I saw my name on the book, I'm in communion now. Since I saw my name on the book, I saw my name on the book of redemption. Since I saw my name on the book, I'm in communion now with Christ my Redeemer. Since I saw my name on the book, how many are glad your name's on that book? Take your Bible this morning. Let's look in the scripture to 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and uh, we'll take a reading there this morning just before we begin. I'm going to make a few comments, but I wanted to uh, read this while we're standing this morning. We're glad to have all of you here today. Uh, obviously, there are many that uh, we've mentioned are at the camp. There's several that are traveling today, and just one of those Sundays, and we certainly miss everybody. Uh, Sister Leah, good to have you here always. Sister Parker, right? God bless you. Good to have you today. Sister Tracy, good to see you here and doctored up and uh, recovering. We've been praying for you and uh, good to have you here this morning. Brother Jaron Brown's grandmother, uh, Betty Brown, is 91 years old. And she had a bad fall uh, a couple of days ago. And uh, they found her and uh, they were evaluating this morning whether they could operate on her whether she would stand the operation or not because she had uh, complications with her heart. So they had to call in a heart specialist to find out if she could do the surgery. Uh, they just cleared her for surgery, and they're bringing her in uh, as we speak. And so if you don't mind, just remember that need in prayer. Uh, Brother Jaron and the family were going down for her 91st birthday uh, in two weeks, I think it is, and they were having a big family celebration. That's a big family. And uh, <clears throat> so if you don't mind remembering that need this morning. First Corinthians chapter 15, this is a familiar little passage here, and I trust that today what we speak about will be familiar. And let's read beginning at verse 51. Behold, I show you a mystery. Now all of the preceding verses here deal with life beyond this life. What happens after we leave here, how God created and established things uh, in this earth and the earth to come. Uh, he says, 
we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. So Paul says all of these things now have been established by God over the uh, over the last 6,000 or 4,000 years. But he said, now I'm going to add in a piece here, a mystery, that will not come to pass exactly in our day, but it's a mystery that God will uh, fulfill in season. And he says in verse 52, In a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. May God add his blessing. You may be seated this morning. So let's do a couple of announcements here. Uh, Noah Cross, Jonah Cross, sorry, has uh, got a birthday on November 2nd. It's incredible. It's amazing that we're, we're talking about events in November here. Uh, here we are at the end of the year. November 6th is Ben Pritchard's uh, birthday. Ben is here this morning. Uh, happy birthday, Ben. And Morgan Cockman. Morgan, how old are you going to be? Ten years old. Wonderful. And Pierce Jackson. The Jacksons are not here uh, today, right? He's at the camp. Is Pierce here? Pierce is out there. All right. Uh, Pierce's birthday on November 6th. So it's a big day, uh, November 6th. Reminder for uh, the uh, 13th is our fall fellowship that's on Saturday. And uh, preparations are being made. Saws are being sharpened. Axes are being filed. So uh, it'll certainly be a great day. December 18th, uh, we'll be having our uh, dinner. It'll be a last event of the year outside of our winter youth retreat. <clears throat> Just wanted to give you a little uh, f- uh, photo image here. This is uh, Pastor Stephen Asamadu, and he uh, lives in Ghana. And Brother uh, Stephen uh, Taylor over there uh, has been uh, doing a faithful job in uh, distributing materials, new materials over there. And this week, uh, they received delivery of 2,000 Bibles there. And uh, never had that before, never had Bibles delivered to them before. And so they're very excited. And now they're, uh, you can see the, the Bibles are over here on the uh, left-hand side of the picture. And they're giving out uh, materials there. And the SEALS book is being printed now for all these folks uh, in um, English-speaking Africa. And so it's uh, exciting for them uh, to be able to get this new material. Uh, they're, they're, just, they're just really uh, happy over there. Now, I wanted to show you this picture. I thought this was really interesting because I never even knew this existed. Uh, but there are a series of islands that, um, that exist in Lake Victoria. Now, I've been over there, but I, uh, and, and it just never occurred to me. And then, uh, uh, it's like an ocean when you stand on the shores of Lake Victoria because you can't see anything uh, on the other, the other side. It's so vast. <clears throat> and there are believers on some of these little islands. And uh, Brother Elias and some of the people over there uh, traveled and brought some new materials and Bibles to these folks over there. And there's a, a church on one of these islands here. Uh, let me just show you a picture of one of the islands. This is it right here. And uh, it's just incredible how this is not that island that, uh, that we, I just showed you the picture of. But uh, there are so many people that cram onto these islands. It's just extraordinary. And... Uh, down in, in the map right here, if you can look, this is, um, this is Kenya up on this side right here, and this is Tanzania down here. And uh, I, we were at a church right over here in Mwanza and on that shoreline right there, but I didn't realize that this whole region is dotted with islands, and they all speak Swahili there. And uh, this is where uh, they were traveling this week, and I, I, like I say, it was just kind of news to me. 
and uh, they were uh, over in that uh, part of the country and delivering materials. They were just ex- very excited because they obviously don't get many visitors. Over- I mean, you can't fit many visitors on the island, right? Somebody probably has to get off in order for you to get on uh, that island over there. But we're uh, excited uh, for them. Uh, I wanted to mention to you this morning, brother and sister Smith. Sister Smith has been really going through it uh, over this um, over this week here with uh, the after effects of doing that nerve procedure, and uh, uh, they've been asking us uh, to remember them in prayer. I appreciate all of you folks praying for us who are not here on Wednesday night. And remember, this coming Wednesday night we don't have service. Following uh, Sunday we have uh, service, and brother Tim Ashong uh, will be here from Ghana. Right? That's next Sunday. Um, also, too, listening this morning is Brother Anwar and his family. And uh, I don't have all the pictures yet, but Brother Anwar purchased a new home on Long Island. And uh, he and his family, they, uh, as normal uh, Pakistani tradition, they, they live together. And uh, I, I saw one or two pictures of the house and uh, he's just really excited about that. It's a big development for them over there and uh, uh, living the American dream. And, and so we're, we're glad that they have a place themselves. They were living right downtown in the, in the, uh, you know, the busy part of Queens. So it was, a, it was just a really nice neighborhood and a nice area where they are. So when I get some pictures, I'll, I'll show you. And Brother Anwar invited us all up there, and uh, he wanted us to come and See his new house. So in the meantime, we'll show you some pictures so you can uh, take a look at that. Now, just before we begin here this morning, and I, I want to take this subject here because I was asked about this particular subject, and it's a, it's a good one for us to visit uh, several times, you know, in our, in our studies and in our, uh, in our learning. It, it's a, it's a very, very important subject, obviously. And I wanted to review this because I was asked some questions about the rapture here, so I'm just uh, producing a little uh, little uh, collection of, of quotations and important things about rapturing faith, and so I'll make sure that's available to you. Uh, but I wanted to say this this morning, that uh, you remember um, a little while ago, there was uh, an act that went through Congress, and it was called the DOMA Act, the Defense of Marriage Act. And it was written because uh, all of a sudden there needed to be a definition of what marriage is or who marriage should be between, a man and a woman. And if you think back a couple of years, this was a big issue. It's not now because it's, it's, it's long gone. And it never got uh, it needed to have, uh, in order to make that uh, a constitutional amendment, it needed to have obviously three-quarters of the uh, states and uh, it never it never got even voted on because it, it never went that far in Congress there, whether we're going to define marriage as, as a relationship, a, a covenant between a man and a woman. So that's passed, and that's not the issue. But when you go back and look in the Constitution itself, when they wrote the Constitution, there were certain things in there that they didn't have to include, or they didn't include, because it was kind of self-evident. Back in the days when they wrote the Constitution, the, the idea or the, the, uh, the definition of who should marry was not in question. And a family was a family, right? I mean, it was just kind of self-evident. I kind of think, and I said all of that to say this, I kind of think that 
Even though Brother Branham does not say very much at all about Halloween, I think it's self-evident that's probably a holiday we can just let go. We don't need to celebrate that. I, I, think, I think it's a wise thing to just dismiss that. Get past it as best you can. And I'll say this. If any of you kids here today need candy, as if any of you here need candy, you come to my office after church, and I've got a special container today of candies just for you. Now, I know that you kids sniff out who's got the candies in this church really well. As a matter of fact, some of the little folks here don't even know everybody's name. They'll say, I'm going to see the candy lady. Or, I'm going to see the candy sister. They've got it all figured out. It's just like bachelors in the church. They know which sisters provide the best meals when they show up at mealtime. But if you kids, as if you need candy, if you need it, you come on right to my office, all right? And uh, we'll take care of that. To me, uh, that, that is a celebration that uh, is, a, is a, typical, a typical kind of scenario where when Satan gets his hands on something, turns it into something that is just not good. And I would rather, I, w- I would rather uh, e- even though Brother Bram doesn't say much about it, common sense to me, this is just my, my thought, common sense to me, would would uh, would impress a person uh, just to let that go. Just because the world does it, and just because anyone else does it, to me, I, I'm not impressed with, uh, with with that at all. And what it be, what it's become, what it represents, what goes on, uh, it's it's a to me, it's a dark day. It's a dark event, and I, I just as soon have nothing uh, to do with it. And uh, uh, I. To me, I, I just have no intention on promoting it or, or celebrating it at all. I hate to even bring it up, but it is what it is. We live in a fallen world. Now, <clears throat> let's move on. Everybody ready to move on? Let's, let's just look at this this morning here. And I, uh, you know, I realize a subject like this uh, has has a necessary preamble. You've got to talk a little bit about what happens prior to the, this, this idea or this event called the rapture. Matter of fact, the preamble is about 6,000 years long because we've been waiting for this, this event for a long time. But uh, I, again, I, I wanted to underscore the fact that uh, Paul takes great pains in <clears throat> chapter 15 here, 1 Corinthians, to uh, discuss this whole idea of what happens uh, in, in the world beyond. And he, he says there are bodies that are natural and bodies that are celestial, and uh, there, there are things that are happening in other realms, even if you can't see them. And he says God created all of it to work together, and it will all come back into God's uh, plan and God's program, even though the world is all mixed up and shaken up today and perverted in lots of different ways. It will all come back the way that God wants it, because God gets his way at the end anyway. Do you believe that? God gets his way. And, and, and we look in the Garden of Eden when God created the world and set it up the way that he did. That was the heart of God. That was the intent of God, uh, to create a place for his uh, sons and daughters uh, to live in peace and harmony with him and with the world around them. There was no chaos. There were no storms. There was no winter. There was no viruses. There was nothing like that at all when God created in the Garden of Eden. They could have lived there for a very long time uh, based on the way that God made it. But Satan perverted it because that's what Satan does. 
And so we have the troubles that we have today uh, because of what Satan did back there in the very beginning. But God will have his way and it will all come back to a place of peace and righteousness and holiness and beauty, right? How many appreciate the beauty of our season now? And it kind of gives you, I, I just, every day I wake up and thank God I'm not in the summer and not in the dead of winter. I love the fall and the spring. It's just my favorite time of year. And I just, uh, sometimes I just go out and stand out in the yard because it's just such a, uh, a beautiful time of year. And I love the, uh, I love the, the season here. And it kind of gives me, to me, it speaks to me of, of the uh, foretaste of what God has in store for us. And when, I'll tell you what, when it all goes back to the way that God intended it to be, uh, the earth is going to be a beautiful place. You won't have to have the worries that you have um, uh, that, that, we, that we live with today and the fallenness that we deal with today. But let's go back and just uh, take a look here. Back in the book of Daniel, uh, and some of these scriptures are very uh, uh, obvious here that they fit in place and we're going to uh, just quote them and move on. Uh, but in Daniel chapter 12, he writes and says, Go thy way, Daniel, for the book is sealed. The book is closed, and therefore it's going to be sealed until the time of the end. In other words, uh, there are going to be there are going to be uh, mysteries. There are going to be truths that are hid in the Bible, that are hid in the prophecy, that men will not be able to fully understand or figure out, and therefore not fully be able to apply until God opens our understanding of those things. Right? So there are things that are sealed, they're closed, until the time of the end, and that will be a time when all kinds of things that are sealed will become unsealed. Things that are closed will become open. Things that are hidden will come into view. And it will be a glorious time for the people of God who get to see that. Now, in Revelation chapter 22, uh, the voice cries out, and he saith unto them, Seal not the sayings of the prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. So there does indeed come a time uh, when the prophecies of the book come open. I believe we're living in that time. Do you believe that? So therefore, this, this whole idea of the unveiling and the opening of God's word applies to us. Now, Again, Revelation 22, uh, sorry, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, Paul says that we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory. Let me say this, that today there are less mysteries than there were in the day when Paul wrote this. There are less obscurities today. We're not looking through a glass darkly. We're not probing as to what the open book is all about. We're not wondering what's behind those seven seals, Right? Not at all. We are, we're not guessing and wondering and trying to figure out what's what. We're not like those, uh, early church fathers that looked in there and wrote books about what they thought it meant. Not at all. Hey, thank God we've had a prophet who came and stepped into Revelation 10-7 and said in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he shall begin to sound, the mystery of God should be finished in that day. And that not only included the unveiling of God, but it also included the identification of the bride of Christ and who she really is. And therefore, it's, it's absolutely an exciting thing for us. And so Paul tells us that as a part of that unveiling, we'll have this mystery of the going home of the bride. We'll have the mystery of the taking away of the bride. Now, in that, in that background, and I want to just don't read this for a second here. Don't read this for a second here. I, uh, although I might as well go ahead and read it because I just, I just, uh, tell you what I'll do. I'll take away the temptation from you. I was listening to a, uh, a well-known, very well-known uh, minister outside of the, uh, the, the Bride of Christ, outside the, you know, the, uh, the message community. 
And if I told you his name, it would be a household name. You'd all recognize who it is. And uh, they had, they actually held an interview with him. And they asked him about what's going to happen at the rapture of the church. And so it, that caught my eye because I was working on this this week and uh, caught my, my ear. Actually, I wasn't watching it. I was, listening, I was listening to it. Let me say that again. I wasn't watching it. I was listening to it. Okay. Uh, some of you got it. And I was just absolutely amazed at uh, the things that he affirmed were uh, solid truths that, that he was teaching his people and has a major broadcast and lots and lots of people who would listen to him. Uh, very influential all over the Protestant world. And uh, he talked about, uh, you know, five crowns that you could be eligible for to receive at the rapture of the church. And as soon as the church is raptured, they entered into the world, enters into judgment right then. As soon as the bride is taken off the earth, then judgment starts right there. And uh, he said after seven years, and of course, every every major Protestant movement today believes that there's seven years tribulation. At the end of seven years, and then the marriage supper would begin. And uh, I'll tell you what, I was just, I listened, it was only about 15 minutes long, but I listened to the whole thing because I was just amazed at how a person so influential, but had rejected the message of the hour. And I'm not being critical, I'm just saying that I was amazed at how a person so influential and so schooled in the, in the scriptures and so on, still had his cow up in a tree eating grass. And I'm not being critical, I'm not being sarcastic here. I'm just saying that, uh, you know, I, 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 I want to say, I want to underscore it again. I thank God for a prophet that gave us such clarity about the Bible. Uh, I, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't follow this message because it's convenient for me or because I have a job. I follow this because I believe that messenger led me to Christ. And as you walk with Christ, more unfolds and reveals itself. And you realize how clear the Bible's actually become to us. And I thank God for that. Uh, I, I, I really do, and I think it's a wonderful thing, because the rest of the world is going in directions that, uh, listen, you don't want to be moving into. You don't want to be going in the direction of this world. And you don't want to be under leadership that is guiding you into the wrong thing, even innocently. There are lots of people who are teaching things very sincerely, but they're sincerely wrong about what the order of events is. And uh, listen, as sincere as they are, uh, they're teaching those things because they have rejected the voice that God has sent in this last day. And I think it's a very serious thing. But I'm, I'm glad. I, I mean, I, I just say this by the grace of God because really none of us deserve the grace of God given to us in this last day. But God has chosen you to receive uh, the truth and to walk in the light that God has prepared for this last day. And in that, to see many things that the world knows nothing about. And again, I'm not trying to blow our horn here. Uh, you know, I, I believe when Adam, or sorry, Noah and his family got on the ark, they probably sat around their uh, dinner table the first night and probably did something like, you know, thank God for what they had and sang Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound. It saved a wretch like me. Once was lost. Would have been outside in the rain. 
But God, by his grace, included them in the ark. And so I'm thankful for that because the world out there is moving. They're being pulled and swept into uh, into things that, uh, you know, uh, you don't want to be a part of. You don't want to go where the world is going. You don't want to move the way the movements are going in this world. And part of it is this whole idea of the metaverse. Now, I don't know much about the metaverse. I'm learning like most people are. But a lot of this stuff has been talked about and planned and uh, in the wings because of five G coming and all the other uh, technical advances that are already invented and already planned and talked about, uh, not in the commercial sense, and when I say commercial, for the general public. But there's a lot of these things that, uh, you know, have, have already been moving in a direction, and now we as the consumers, we, we find out about it. You know, we, we all of a sudden we discover that, you know, people are actually, there's, a, there's kind of a direction, there's kind of a movement that's... This is not just happening willy-nilly, but there's actually a direction. And I believe part of the direction is to aid the Antichrist in doing what he needs to do globally. I don't believe Mark Zuckerberg is the Antichrist, but I believe he's just a tool in the hands of the enemy to bring uh, technology into the mix to move things. I mean, you look at currencies of this world. They're over in Europe now. Our president's over there in Europe now, and they're ta- they, they approve this idea of a, a 15% flat tax, what I call a flat tax, where they're uh, trying to uh, you know, squeeze out people from hiding uh, great amounts of money, corporate uh, uh, you know, entities. And, uh, you, you, know, you have to think about that, where all of a sudden now every nation on earth will impose a tax on businesses and nations who are trying to hide funds there. And you think about it, well, who's going to enforce that? Well, we know there's coming an enforcer on the earth who's going to have everything controlled by a system that even though we may not be able to see it now, I can see how it could come because of things that are happening now. I'm not a conspiracy theorist. And there are many of you that are much smarter about these things here than I am. But I'm telling you that this is not just a hodgepodge of willy-nilly technologies and kids with phones out here. There is a movement afoot. There is a power that's moving the world into a position. And the bride is not meant to be in that position. We are meant to be in another position in order to leave this earth. So one of the phrases that you'll find is the, uh, the metaverse now, which is the next evolution of social connection. And part of this in, involves not just uh, observing something, but, but uh, people will be able to step into the, uh, you know, the augmented reality, the, the virtual reality of, of something now. So they're not just looking or observing at a game, but they'll actually be able to insert themselves into, uh, into a, a, a setting. And it's a collective project that will be created for people all over the world, open to everyone. And you'll be able to socialize, learn, collaborate, and play in ways that go beyond what's possible today. Now, that's not a trivial statement because entertainment is a, is a very powerful movement in the earth and something that generates an enormous amount of revenue. So entertainment is a big thing. Entertainment is certainly uh, designed to get your mind off what we should have our minds on it and, uh, you know, relax it or get diverted into other things. All entertainment is not bad. I'm not saying that. The metaverse is a digital reality that combines aspects of social media, online gaming, augmented reality, virtual reality, and cryptocurrencies to allow users to inter- interact 
virtually. You say, well, Brother Barry, uh, I, I thought you were in the message and I thought you preached the message. Well, that's really true. And I'm, all I'm doing is saying that the backdrop for uh, th- this, this scene where the bride leaves the earth is going to be one that is dominated by a force that Brother Branham did not promote. Okay? Let me say, maybe I could say it another way. I was listening to the rapture sermon coming down the road today, and Brother Branham says, I'd like to talk about something very strange today. And he said, I'd like to talk about the rapture of the church. And he goes on and he reads Psalm 27, verse 1 to 5, that in the time of trouble, you know, he will set me up on a rock. And uh, He talks about the background of the rapture. The rapture itself is not described in Psalm 27, but the background of, of events are, are described there. And how that, uh, you know, the world would be in a place where God would take his elect person and, and establish them on a rock and put them in a safe place. I thank God for a safe place. Now, the world out here is being pulled and moved into directions and into positions that, uh, let me tell you, I, I, don't want, I don't want to be pulled by that. I want to have a stronger pull exerted in my life that pulls me towards the kingdom. Are you with me this morning? I want, to, I want to have that. I want to experience that. And I don't want to experience it just on Sunday. I want to experience it all, all uh, the, the time that I have remaining on this earth. I want to have that force in my life. But there are, uh, there are uh, you know, technologies that exist, and this is what uh, Daniel described back there, that virtual reality is entirely virtual and enhances fictional realities and all the rest of it. And this is a direction that the uh, metaverse is moving into. And so uh, I think that, uh, you know, social media and all of its forms, and you may not like me talking about social media. It might be like nails on a chalkboard if ever I bring it up. But I will say this, that uh, social media, because of where it comes from, will not remain the same. It'll change. And how it will change and where it will take people, especially young people, is not really where I think we'd want to go. Does that make sense? That's all I'm saying to you. Now, I know very little about this. So I'm going to stop here before I put my other foot in my mouth. And and I'll come back to it again. Because I think this is a good thing for us to discuss. And there's actually some things that I want to show our parents here. So that they're aware of uh, some of the things that this is evolving into. All right? So uh, I'd like to do that. Because uh, I'll guarantee you, uh, if you're raising teenagers today, if you've got kids that have phones today, those kids are way ahead of where we are. Whether you know it or not, or whether you like me saying that or not, they're way ahead of where we are. And I will tell you what, it's good for parents to be aware of some of the things that are taking place today. And that's just the world, that's just the world that we live in. And uh, Satan's not too concerned about, uh, you know, uh, you know, preserving your kids or protecting your kids. Satan's more interested in exposing your kids to the very latest and the fastest and the, uh, you know, the technologies that are moving out here. And it's designed to be able to change their thinking. And uh, I don't want to have that. I don't, I don't want to have that. I want to be a force that stands against that. All right. So in this last day of darkness, then, when all of this happens there, the promise is in Zechariah that we should have light. We should have light. And this light is very clear. Comes. This is not a natural light, but this is a spiritual light. And this is what God uh, sends to the earth, and he sends to the earth in, his, in, in the season. We find it, this in many places described. Uh, if we walk in the light as he's in the light, then we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Aren't you glad for that? 
Now, when Paul describes, uh, the, you know, the order of events of the rapture uh, in uh, in First Thessalonians chapter four, he writes to the believers that follow uh, in chapter five, and he says, "But of the times and the seasons, brethren." So this is not to unbelievers or a general statement. This is to believers here, and he says, "Of that time and that season, you have no need that I write unto you, because it will become so apparent to you, brethren." That we're in this season that you will not need that I write any more to you or describe it or take it on myself to describe it to you. But you yourselves know that the day of the Lord so cometh will come as a thief in the night. And they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh uh, upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. When that day comes, Paul says, there will be things that are so obvious that you will not need somebody to tell you you're there. You'll know you're there. How many of you would agree? We know, we know we're there. We're, we know we're at the end when God, uh, you know, is in the process of wrapping things up, gathering his bride, fueling his bride with rapturing faith in order for her to take that last step and get out of here. And that's what this is about, okay? That's what this is about. Whether you agree or not, that's what this is about. And what, what I believe the ministry ought to be about is, uh, you know, doing everything we can to assist the fueling of the bride, the charging of the bride, the preparation of the bride to take that last step, and then eventually we'll be gone. I'm not teaching you to watch for the undertaker. I'm teaching you to look for the uptaker. Some of us will probably have to meet with the undertaker, but I'll guarantee you the majority of people that I preach to, I believe they'd be more interested and more, uh, it'd be more appropriate to talk about the uptaker, the one that takes us up from this earth instead of puts us down in the earth, because that's a season that we're living in. And to me, my whole thrust, my whole burden is to prepare people for that hour when we shall leave. And we have something to charge the bride with. We have something to uh, excite the bride with. And that is the word of the hour that God gave to us in the light of the hour that we have come to. And this is not an ordinary light through the ages, as we've said before. This is a uh, special season where God uh, allowed the, the mysteries of the book to become unveiled and the truth of God's word to come to us. Now, you may, uh, there, there may be, you may be dealing with lots of distractions and there's all kinds of, uh, things that are out there in order to muddle our minds and muddle our thinking and, you know, distract us. Some of you, some of you this morning, uh, you know, dealing with different things. And I understand that because that's life. In these fallen bodies in a fallen world, working with, uh, you know, uh, a fallen economic system and all the rest of it and all the, uh, all the burdens and trials that we have to deal with. I, I get that. I, I'm in the same world you are. But I will tell you something that God knew we'd be here. And God never took a risk by leaving us here. He knew if he, could, if he left us here, he'd have everything we'd have need of. To not, only, not only to be able to uh, deal with the world around us, but to overcome it as well. And then to, uh, uh, then to uh, you know, appropriate the right kind of faith to be able to leave here and have our bodies change without death. So Paul says in that time it'll become obvious. You'll know that the world is going down. You'll know that there's a kingdom rising. You'll know that all that is true. And he says, you are people, you brethren, are not in darkness. That they should overtake you as a thief. But you're children of the light. Now, let me read you this same passage in another version here. Now, concerning how and when all this will happen, dear brothers and sisters, you don't really, uh, he says, we don't really need to write to you. For you know quite well that the day of the Lord's return will come unexpectedly like a thief in the night. When people are saying everything is peaceful and secure. 
We have government leaders sorting out the environment in Glasgow next week. We have the Pope taking care of the president last week and telling him it's okay for you to take communion now, even though you voted for abortion and you pushed abortion. He pulled him aside, whispered to him, Joe, he said, it's all right for you to take communion. Even when the Archbishop of the United States said that it's wrong for politicians who vote for abortion to take communion at the rails, so which is a very big deal for uh, Catholic politicians, and it's always been a real sticking point. And last week, the Pope leaned over to Joe unofficially and said, go ahead, Joe, you can take communion now. It's all right. I give you permission here. And, uh, you know, we have um, all, all of these things that are uh, that are happening around us here, all of these things that are taking place. So in, in this season, uh, the idea, the, the misconception is that everything is Everything is peaceful. Everything is secure. Somebody's got it under control. It's going to work out. We're going to impose a flat tax on the world, and, uh, you know, everything's going to be okay, and Facebook's going to reform itself. They're going to be good. So it'll be all right. And he says, and disaster will fall on them as suddenly as a pregnant woman's labor pains begin. And there will be no escape. But you aren't in dark about those times brothers and sisters. And you won't be surprised when the day of the Lord comes like a thief. For you are all the children of light and of the day and don't belong to darkness and night. You don't belong there. So be on your guard and not sleep sleep like the others. But stay alert and be clear-headed. To me, it's a sad thing when someone wants to be diverted away from the reality of how things really are. It's a sad thing when people want, they, they, they want to hear another message. They don't want to hear what, you, what you're saying. They want, to, they want to hear what they want to hear. And they're focused on another message and another thought. And they, you know, they, it's just easier for me not to, not to have to deal with this. Hey, listen, this is not an easy thing to have to deal with, right? The end of the world is not an easy thing to have to deal with. But you know what? We're all there. And we all have to face it. And God made a provision for the, for the elect uh, that would find themselves in that time, in that time space. And God's made a way for us, and I'm thankful for that, to give us rapturing faith. But the world out there sees it very differently. They don't want to go there. They don't want to have to make the sacrifices. They don't want to have to make the changes that are necessary in order for them to be, uh, you know, to conform to God's word. They don't want to have to make those changes at all. And so what we've seen up to this point in time that Paul is talking about here is we've had over the last 2,000 years a day of man. And the day of man is a season where, uh, you know, men get to make their own decisions. There's a lot of trouble in the world that's caused because men made certain decisions, right? Political decisions and, you know, uh, geopolitical decisions and educational decisions, financial decisions. We're in the financial mess we're in in the world because people have made decisions. And they've had the freedom to make decisions. And they've been able to do what they want to do. And we have experienced, essentially, I'll use this phrase, the passive wrath of God that has been exhibited over the last 2,000 years. God steps in in certain situations and uh, deals with things like, uh, you know, uh, the, the ending of the First World War, right? In November 11th, in, in the ending of the First World War, all of a sudden it ended. It should not have ended right there, but it did end all of a sudden right there. And I believe that was because God caused it to stop. He, he was the one that uh, instructed those angels on the four corners of the earth to hold the winds of strife back. And, and all the other things that, uh, you know, God intervened on over the time. But I'm going to refer that, to that as a passive wrath of God because really uh, we, we still have great freedoms to be able to make decisions about our world and about the, uh, the things we want to do. 
But there's going to come a day, which Paul refers to and alludes to, which is called the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord is not a positive day. The day of the Lord is when you lose your choice. When God takes over in wrath and judgment, and you see a side of God that nobody has ever seen before. You know when... You know, uh, little kids all of a sudden when they discover that their mom could really get angry and really use a stick and really, uh, really bring punishment. They all of a sudden they're shocked because they see a side of their mother they never saw before. I will tell you something that this world in all of its arrogance and independence is going to see a side of God they never saw before because they're not going to be able to make choices. They're not going to be able to have the freedoms that they once enjoyed. It's then the day of wrath. It's not the day of man, but it's the day of wrath. And if you don't believe me, go back to Zephaniah chapter 1. Not Zechariah, but Zephaniah chapter 1. And read there what Zephaniah describes as coming on the earth in the day of the Lord. We're not going to talk about it today. Because we're talking about not the down, uh, the undertaker, but the up, uptaker. Uh, it's described in lots of different places in Isaiah and Jeremiah where God describes through the prophets what is actually going to come. And I will tell you the main thing in that, in that era is that uh, it's going to be a, a manifestation of God's wrath and judgment on the earth that people are not going to have a choice about. God's going to pour things out on the earth because men have made choices, they've rejected truth, and it's no different than standing inside the ark looking out and seeing a side of God they never saw before. Right? Here they are, here they are, you know, here's Abraham standing on top of the mountain looking out at Sodom and the fire actually falling on Sodom and they're seeing a side of God they never saw before. Up to that point they had choices, up to that point they, they felt like they were in control, up to that point they didn't have anybody telling them what to do, but there comes a point where God draws a line and says, now I'm going to have my say. Now I'm going to judge this thing. Now I'm going to pour out retribution. And now I'm going to, uh, I'm going to enact vengeance here for all the broken families and all the uh, children that were sold into slavery and all the uh, people that were uh, abused over time. And all God says, I'm going to take care of all of that. I'm going to bring judgment on the earth and I'm going to uh, destroy them that destroy the earth. And I'm going to do this. And you're not going to have a say. You've lost your say. You've lost your grace. And you've lost your mercy. This is not passive wrath anymore. This is the wrath of God in full expression. Okay? Now, listen, folks. I, 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 this, is, this is obvious. The whole world is heading to that day. I believe we're living on the lip of it. You're only going to go one or two places. You're either going to go into it or you're going to escape it by the grace of God. How you escape it is what I want to talk about. All right? How we escape it is what we want to discuss, because God made a way for us. Brother Bram said, Father, so many things. This is Countdown, 1964. He said, many things could be said right here. Maybe the church wouldn't understand. But I pray that you'll give them a craving for it, Lord, that they'll come and see that we're at the end time, the astronaut age. Astronaut age means we're going to break out of the atmosphere. And I pray, Father, that they'll realize it isn't trying. What I'm, what I'm saying, what I'm doing, Brother Branham realizing what, you know, uh, the effect of his ministry here. It isn't trying to condemn what they had, but it's only trying to give them more rapture and grace. For the hour will come when we'll have to have rapture power, not only to heal the body, but to change it in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. How many can say amen? 
Brother Branham never came to take away what people had. He never came away to rub away the stepping stones that people used to get to where they are. But now, take what you have. Let's go higher. Let's go further. Let's go closer to God. Let's get closer to the kingdom. Let's look at what more God can bring to us. And let's give the church even more rapturing power. Let's prepare the church with more rapturing faith. And let's give them more rapturing grace. Hey, listen, I love that phrase, rapturing grace, because it means that if we make it into the rapture, it'll be by His grace and not because of our works or our merit it'll be because god has chosen us to leave the earth this way prior to the tribulation that breaks out and so brother bam said may they realize may they get it in their heads and may you get it in your head this morning that this is not trying to condemn you and hold you back but this is your pastor here trying to embrace you and move you along forward and trying to break the bonds that uh, satan would wrap around you if he could either mentally or emotionally or whatever way and try to break those bonds so that we can move ahead closer to the kingdom and appropriate more rapturing power not just to heal your body but to change it You know, I, I, I've, I've watched a little of the services this week down at the, uh, down at the camp. And I, uh, you know, I was watching last night, they had a prayer line. I don't know if, if any of you have seen it. And, uh, they, they said it was a, you know, very good camp, very well organized and so forth. And I watched all of our young people. I think I saw every one of them who had gone from the church here go through the prayer line and go up for prayer and, and just to spend time with the minister there and, uh, they had about five or six ministers, seven ministers who were in the front there. And, uh, you know, they were just praying individually with each one. And I thought, I, as I was looking at that, I was just saying, Lord, give them the answers that they need. Just inspire them and, and, and help them not to be so caught up with peer pressure and what everybody else is doing. But may they just break out of that. And may they, may they have that desire. Like Brother Brandon said, give them a craving to break out of this atmosphere, to break out of the cosmos here. These are your kids, folks. These are, these are your children that are there. And may they break out of that. And may they, uh, you know, stand for truth and, and, and be real soldiers of the cross and representatives of the kingdom. And give them a craving for that. Because, you know, it's a great thing for us to teach it and for us to talk about it and put it on the board here and have Sunday school events here. It's all great to do that. But at some point, it's got to become a craving in their heart to seek and desire the kingdom of God and the will of God for their own life here. It's got to come internally for that. And you ought to say amen and you ought to be praying the same way. That they'll come home with a zeal and nothing will extinguish that. But they can carry on with that zeal and have that passion for God. It's a wonderful thing to see a young person with a passion for God. There's so many people that are out there for passion for video games. It's a great thing to see people, young people with a passion for God. And an unashamed attachment to the principles and the boundaries that God has laid down. Whether it's a dress code, whether it's a dating code, or whether, no matter what it is, that Lord, you know, they'd be saying, Lord, I, I, I only want to get involved in this if it's your will. I only want to do this if it's right. I only want to do this if it's pleasing to you. I don't want to get involved in something and then have to repent for it. But I want to walk ahead in faith and I want to walk ahead in the light. Now I pray that God would give them a craving for that. That's what Brother Manor prayed in 1964. That the people would have that in that time. And he said, they're sitting there, you know, holding back like this because they're thinking I'm trying to take away something from them. And he said, that's not true at all. 
It's just a question of interpretation because this is not easy and because it doesn't match my church teaching or whatever else. It's not what I've always thought about it. Then, you know, they, they do this number, like some of you this morning just do this number here and sit back. Let me tell you, we ought, if anybody ought to realize this is not God taking away and being a legalist, but this is God extending grace to us, rapturing grace to us to say, hey, I realize you don't deserve it, but I'm going to give you rapturing faith anyway. I realize that you're not, uh, you're not worthy of any of this. But I'm going to do it anyway, because that's what grace is. I realize that none of us have come to this church this morning feeling worthy enough uh, to be blessed of God with rapturing power. But God says, I'm going to give it to you anyway. I'm going to be so I'm going to share it anyway, because you're not going to get out of here without it. All God wants to see in your heart is a craving for it. He wants to see that craving. Lord, he says, I pray that you give him such a craving that they'll come and see And we're at an age of breaking out of here. We're not at an age of learning how to stay. We're at an age of breaking out. God has seasons, and God's made provisions for each generation. And he says, in that hour, talk about grace here. He says, in that hour, God will perform his word. Say it with me. God will perform his word. Now, everybody, God will perform his word. He'll bring his word to pass regardless. And when the season comes, harvesters are ripe. God's going to send his word and perform his things. God's going to perform his things. What things are we talking about? Well, let's take a real quick look here. Brother Branham, questions 1964. Please explain fully about the Gentiles that don't go in the rapture. He says, I thought you said the Gentiles were left, that were left, went through the tribulation and gave their lives for a testimony for Christ. And when he turns on the Gentiles to the Jews, there isn't any more chance for Gentiles to be saved. So they're wanting the the clarity on this question. I can't give you the full answer because it's too long. It's really a good uh, answer, and you ought to go research it yourself. you you got the link, and it'll be on on the website, and you can go take a look at it. I'll just give you a couple of highlights. But he says, the person asking the question says, when, in fact... God turns from the Gentiles to the Jews, like Joseph did uh, to his brothers. Just the Gentiles who have been saved, but not received their last day truth, will go in the tribulation period and then be saved in the end. Is that right? So they're wanting clarity on that. Please explain, because you said there'd be a small number go in the rapture. What about the people that believe in the Lord now and don't believe the way you preach this end time message? Will they be saved? Great question. Great series of questions. And there's a lot in here. And Brother Branham recognizes that. He said, this is a very good question. In the first place, the confusion is what I said about the Gentiles' days be done in the tribulation. So he's clear here. And uh, I, just, I just got two screens here as part of the answer. But you can go look it up there. And, and it's a great little study. The Gentile bride, the bride, not the Gentile church now, but the Gentile church, he says, the Gentile church will go through the tribulation period. No wonder people sat back like this when Brother Branham said that. I mean, if you were a part of a denominational church, you know, here's a, here's a, uh, a man who's supposed to be a prophet, and if you're a denominational person, and you're sitting back here and you're saying, he's supposed to be a prophet, and he's saying that I'm going to go through the tribulation, but his followers are not? I mean, that really probably wouldn't be no different than <clears throat> sitting there looking at that man build that ark and say, you're going to be okay if you get on that boat, but if you don't get on the boat, you're not going to be okay. 
Who do you think you are? I mean, you could see how people would think that, right? Because <clears throat> after all, I Google this whole rain thing, and it isn't there. And if it's on the Internet, it's true. The bride, he said, is the elected. They go through nothing but the rapture. Say it with me. Nothing but the rapture. Nothing but the rapture. Thank God we go through nothing but the rapture. In other words, on on the agenda that God hands you, it doesn't say anything about tribulation. It doesn't say anything about uh, three and a half years where God turns to the Jews over here and you're left without the Spirit of God and any mercy or grace over here. All you see on yours is the wedding supper. Your seat number is all you see. Just a seat number, a designated seat number that God's got for you. That's what they go through. But they're just changed and taken out of the world. That's what happens. Now, I'll explain that in a further question here, bringing it up from Luther on up. He says, it's a maturing of the body. So, in other words, the body of Christ has to go through a maturing season, and then she's taken away. That's what he says, right? I mean, I'm just saying what the tapes say. He said, the bride is the elected. They go through nothing but the rapture. They're just changed and taken out of the world. I'll explain that in a further question here. Bringing it from Luther on up, the maturing of the body. Second part of the answer here, he said, now the next thing to happen is the Gentile elected bride to be caught up with the rest of the Gentile elected bride that's been down through the ages. So there's going to be a gathering of the, those that are alive and those that are dead and resurrected. We come together for 30 to 40 days and then caught up in the presence of Christ in the heavens. And the dead raises and ones that are alive and remain are changed. They're caught up together to meet the Lord with the air. Ha! Huh. You know, I, I don't, I don't really know how that's going to happen. And I, I don't know what, uh, I don't know what we're going to do in the 30, 40 days, but if you can travel like a thought, I know where I'm going to go. Uh, Brother Bam described about Abraham and Sarah walking down the streets of Jerusalem and my, how places have changed. And, you know, I went to school here and wow, look at this. And then a- Abraham says to Sarah, Hey, I think somebody spotted us. We better get out of here. I mean, Brother Manum gives us little scenarios like that. I, I don't really don't know how it's going to be. But if you've got 30 to 40 days here, and you're going to be an untouchable, and in a body that can travel like a thought, and you and your wife got a choice to go anywhere, you come visit us in Ireland, okay? After the wedding ceremony in glory, after that has caught up into the skies, Jesus returns onto the earth and makes himself known to his people in the type like Joseph, this is Genesis 45. And he says, makes himself known to his people and his wife. No Gentile was present, nobody but Joseph alone when he made himself known to his brethren. The scriptural type is in the book of Genesis where when Joseph reveals himself to his brothers, there was nobody else there. It was just Joseph and his brothers, all Jews in the room. And the symbol is, is that there were no Gentiles there during that time. Joseph had previously tucked his Gentile bride away in the palace Everybody with me? I could, we could put it on the screen here, but that, that's what Joseph did. So that when he revealed himself to the 144,000, there was no Gentiles that were present at all. So in these steps here, there is a putting away into glory of the Gentile bride. Oh, you say, I want to I be in that. I want to be ready for that. When's that going to be? That's going to be just before Jesus reveals himself to the to the Jewish people. So whenever you see that, you're too late. I want to go before that happens. I don't want to be reading that on CNN. 
I don't want to be looking at that on my phone. Two prophets have raised up in Israel and they're doing, they're closing the heavens. I don't want to read that on my app. I don't, you know what? I don't even, you may not, you may think I'm crazy, but I, you know, I don't think we'll even need a phone over there. I, I don't, I mean, I could be wrong, but I don't think we'll need a phone over there. We need a phone for everything else, right? But we don't, we won't need a phone over there. I don't want to, I don't want to see that on a screen over here. I want to be gone. You say, well, when's that going to happen? Well, you just need to be ready to be gone because Joseph, it just says in the Bible that Joseph puts his wife away in the palace and then he goes to his brothers here. You got to be, you got to be, as, you got to be so close to him that when he, when he decides to put the bride, the Gentile bride away in the palace, you're right there with him. That's what really matters, that you're right there with him. Think about that now. You don't want him to, him, it doesn't say that Joseph passed through the land to find his wife. It doesn't say that Joseph sojourned in the mall to find his wife. His wife was right there. And when it came time to put her in the palace, she she was escorted into the palace. And then Joseph reveals himself to his brothers. God make us ready for that moment. God make us sensitive to that moment here. In the meantime, on the earth, the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. Because it's all, it's all reflecting. Listen, it's all re- the earth itself is actually reflecting the expectation of the earth going back to what it should be. The earth itself is groaning to go back to what it was meant or created to be. And all the whole creation, and we're a part of that now, and we feel that expectation. We feel that we've arrived in the time. This week, we, uh, you probably heard, all of you probably saw the headlines that you're going to be able to see the Northern Lights and uh, the display that's going to go on. And I'm sorry here. Uh, you know, if, if we get a super clear night and you happen to be at the right altitude, maybe you'll get a glimpse of it there. It is a fascinating thing. I've seen it. Uh, it is an absolutely fascinating thing, and it's worth seeing if you can see it. Uh, from where you are. But we're probably just a shade too far south in order to really get a glimpse of it unless the conditions are perfect. But part of that is caused by the fact that there was an event on the sun, the surface of the sun, uh, a few days ago. And the electromagnetic uh, fields that uh, were affected by that cause certain things to happen in Earth's atmosphere here. And they say that certain GPS systems and certain uh, locators and compasses and so forth would be affected by it, just temporarily uh, because, of, you know, the, these things have happened uh, on the sun. And it's just an amazing thing how that God can, you know, uh, allow in nature that uh, a surge would come and that surge would affect the Earth and, uh, you know, just flood the Earth and affect, affect the people on the Earth. It, 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 it didn't happen here. It happened somewhere else. But God allows it to affect life here. Now, I'll tell you what, I, you know, I don't want to be too spiritual about this, but I say this, that God knew that we needed to have certain things that would happen on this earth. And you know what? Many of the things that we, we know and we understand happen in the mind of God. And they happen 
They happen somewhere else, but they're expressed. In other words, the people on the earth are affected by what, what God uh, has allowed uh, to be known in our time. These are things that were not, not allowed, not known in other ages. But now, in our time, God has allowed the people of the earth to be affected by, uh, you know, the opening of the word, the open book, and uh, the revelation that have come for us. And we live in a time where all of it, Brother Bram said, all the supernatural and all the events that are taking place, they, they signal to us, they pulse to us that we're living at the end time. We're living at the days when all of this is winding up and it's, and it's ending. Brother Branham, some say mercy is over. No one can be saved. Now, is this true? And he says, glad I got this one. We watch the prayer lines, and it seems like some are still finding mercy. Some people are being healed. Some people are, uh, you know, receiving the mercy of God. <clears throat> Brother Branham's answer is good. He says, is mercy over? Don't never think that. You just keep right on doing everything you can until you're taken away. I like that answer. You should, should, you're, you're, my, my kids are too far gone. I don't know whether there's any hope for them. You keep praying for them. You say, Brother Barry, I'm, I'm, the doctor gave me a bad report. Hey, you let me know. We'll pray for you. And we'll pray for you. As long as there's life in the body, we'll pray for you. Because as long as there's life in the body, as long as there's breath, there's hope. Come on, folks. Never give up on God's mercy. Never, never assume that, uh, you know, all right, you know, God's shut it down. God's turned his back on me here. Hey, he says, don't you never think that. You just keep right on. We notice in the prayer line, some people are finding mercy. Sure, he said, the doors are open. In the prayer line, uh, he, he says, you find mercy, certainly. And if I knew Jesus was coming this afternoon, I'd be doing just the thing that I'm doing right now. Mercy is always open. As long as God's people live on the earth, mercy is open. As long as he's got the book in his hand, come on, there's mercy for the people of God. As long as the, the Lamb has got the Lamb's book of life, there's mercy for God's people. And now where I think you get it is about the finishing of the seven church ages and the seals being loose. And Brother Bram is probing into the, uh, you know, the, the book of Revelation here. And he's, you know, talking about the ending of the church ages. And he said, that's ceasing. And he says, the seals come open. So people are interpreting that and saying, well, there's no more mercy. Hey, if I'm a, if I'm a member of the bride of Christ, there will be mercy all the way to the change of my body. And the change of my body will be an act of the mercies of God itself. Seven seals, it's manifested what takes place, what has taken place. The seven church age, we're at the end of that church age, we're fading out of one. Remember, Brother Man taught us that seasons overlap. Right? We don't go from summer to winter in a day. We go in this overlap period. I'm glad for the overlap period. And we go into that uh, season where, uh, you know, we have a mixture of warm and cold. and uh, You know, it's a blending. He says that spiritual seasons also overlap. They blend, they fade out from one to another. And we're in the process of fading out of the Gentile dispensation and fading back into the Jews over there. And you go and look over uh, in Israel. If you get the chance to visit over there, you'll see the uh, the expectation that the spiritual Jews have over there of uh, you know God returning to His people again. All of those things matter. All of those things are important to Jewish people. And he said, "You remember, Paul said, for the time is at hand." And do you realize how long that was in God's time? That was yesterday. He said, my time, it's been 2,000 years. Now, he's giving us a, a lesson that prophets can give you. Are you ready? Paul said, the time is at hand. And do you realize how long that was in God's time? 
that was yesterday. But in my time, in our human perspective, that's 2,000 years ago Paul said that. What God calls at hand is not what we call at hand. So just keep on believing. Keep on praying. God's still got mercy open. Just flowing into it as fast as you Just keep flowing into it as fast as you can. God will do the stopping when it's time to stop. When the door is closed and you bump up against it, then you know what? The door is closed. But as long as you can come to an altar and ask forgiveness, as long as you can kneel by the side of your bed and ask forgiveness, I would say I would encourage you to kneel by the side of your bed and ask forgiveness or come to an altar and ask for uh, you know, forgiveness for, from God. Uh, it, and let me tell you, when mercy is over, I believe our world will be different. You think it's hard now. You think it's brassy now. I'll tell you what, when mercy's over, I think you'll know when mercy's over. So until you get the definitive word or you get a new body, keep asking God for his mercy. Keep depending on his grace. Keep seeking the mind of God and keep correcting your course so that you're in line with him and moving in the right direction. Is that okay? When mercy's over... We'll spread the word. We'll send an update. We'll let you know uh, when mercy's over. If I know before you do, uh, don't worry about it at all. Until now, assume we still have mercy. Brother Bam doesn't give us a date. He doesn't give us a time. But, but he indicates like, uh, you know, the scripture uh, indicates here that God says like in the days of Noah, uh, Noah, I'm going to destroy the earth. But that never happened for another 120 years. Right? He said, no, that's it. The end of all mankind is coming. I'm going to destroy the earth, build me a boat. Everybody else is going to drown. It didn't happen the next day. Our perspective is not always God's perspective. Because he looks at things a little bit different. The English language is, uh, in a sense, is kind of limited that way. And you can get in trouble when you make assumptions about some of the English words and the, the, uh, uh, the literal things there. So, for example, in Genesis chapter 6, God looked down upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt. All flesh is corrupted upon the earth. And God said, the end of all flesh has come before time. So that's the scripture I referred to. Here's another one. When people say the graves will open, how are the graves going to open? In other words, when the resurrection takes place, how is that going to happen? He says, God just speaks, and the rapture will come. It ain't going out there, and angels going out there with shovels out in the graves and get an old dead carcass here and stand some stand Uncle Harry up on the on his feet. What is it? It's born a sin to begin with, but a new one made in its likeness. No angel with a shovel is going to make that kind of a body. Right? If we have this one we'll die again. Nobody will say the graves will open, the dead shall walk out. That may be true, but not open the way you say open. It won't be like that. It'll be a secret. Because he said it'll be like a thief in the night. So you know what you got to do? you got to let God define these things. you got to come back to the word, not your understanding of things, and let God define it here. So what really happens? This is what we want to find out. We know there's all kinds of theories, right? Everything from, uh, you know, a mark in your forehead to the vaccine, uh, whatever else. You know, people have got all kinds of things ascribed to the... Uh, to the Antichrist and all kinds of ideas about, you know, what the future holds for us here. I, I, I've learned this, and I, I guess in just saying what I just said, 
Many times we get assumptions about what is going to happen. Many times we're wrong about that assumption. So you're better off not making your mind up too tightly. Always stay loose enough that the Holy Spirit can untie the knot in your mind and put the right thing in there. So now, Paul describes it this way. He says, the last trump, he says, this is going to sound, the dead will be raised incorruptible. Paul describes it this way to the Thessalonians. It will be divided into three things, a shout, a voice, and the trump of God. How many believe that that process is already in motion? Right? Already in motion here. And so therefore, uh, if, if, this is, if this is that process that is bege- already begun, according to Paul, and he says, uh, of the times and the seasons, you won't need to uh, be, be made aware of that. You will be made aware of that, just like the beeping sound that we have. We're all aware of it, and everybody's trying to look like they're not aware of it, but we're all aware of it. Well, when we come into that season where we're all aware of the end time and you know, this, this unfolding, there'll be something that God will send, and then what he will send will be a message. That's what God will send. And God will make sure uh, that the bride of Christ hears about the message. I think it's a good thing that God is still making the bride aware that there is a message in the earth. And if there, for instance, if there was not any more mercy left, if there was not any mercy left, God would still not be sending the message out. I mean, why send the message out to a people who could read it and, and, and look at it and it would do them no good? I believe that when the mercy is over, uh, we'll stop, we'll, 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 we'll shut down vision books, we'll shut down everything related to it because there'll be no mercy left for the people of God. But I believe one of the signs, one of the indications that there's still mercy left in the world is that God's word, God's voice still carries out. God's word still goes on. So, <clears throat> We all naturally then have uh, interpretations of how this would, this would go on. And I mean, Hal Lindsey and all the other, uh, all the other writers and, and uh, people who would fictionalize this idea of, uh, you know, a, a pile of clothes left on the, on the ground and uh, people jettisoning up, upwards and planes crashing because uh, the pilots got raptured, the pilots happened to be believers. And uh, there's all kinds of great stories that you could create about this. But uh, I believe from the Bible that this is not the way that it's going to happen. You want to know how it's going to happen? I think biblically how it's going to happen. It's real simple. And here it is. In, in a couple of verses, here it is. And Enoch walked with God and he was not, for God took him. I mean, he was there and then he wasn't there. He was translated that he should not see death and was not found. God had translated him, for before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Stop for a minute. Do you think how the people of of Enoch's time, a lot of them live really long lives, right? Hundreds and hundreds of years. And so for somebody to die back in that day, that was a big deal when you think about it, because not too many people died. Nowadays, we, we, we see a lot of people who pass away uh, in, in their walk in life. I mean, that's, it's not an uncommon thing at all. But back then, if people lived hundreds and hundreds of years, there were fewer and fewer funerals on the face of the earth. So this must have been a bit of a mystery to the people who were left. Because Enoch was not. Did he die? If he died, why can't we find him? If he died, 
where is he? And so the people of that time, and I'm just paraphrasing here, I'm just uh, supposing here, that the people of that time, uh, they, would have, they would have scratched their head and wondered where in the world was, was Enoch because nobody had ever left the earth before unless they died. So the only way we understand somebody not is that they died up to this point. The only way that we can figure this out is that somewhere or another he had, he had died because he's not. So they must have set out to look for him. And maybe, um, I don't know, we should see some evidence uh, uh, that, that he was around and, you know, he's not there before. But the Bible simply says that he was not. He's gone. Now what's interesting is that Brother Branham comes along and he describes the, the, the path of the bride in exactly the same way. I mean, who knew? Watch what he says. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find a stopping place and we'll carry on here. But look at what he says. He comes in three comings. He makes three comings. He comes in three sons' names. He comes in a trinity. In other words, in a, in a three-phase plan. He says, Father, Son, Holy Ghost. He doesn't say that God is a trinity. Are we okay? But he says, all of it is the same Christ, same God all the time. Everything in God is completed in threes. Let me jump to the next screen just to illustrate that. He comes three times. Once to redeem his bride, once to catch away his bride, and once to reign with his bride. Right? Does that make sense? He's a redeemer. He's a rapturer. And then king and queen come back in the last, in the last days when it's all over. Are we okay with that? Everybody all right with that? All right, so let's go back to the quote here now. And he says, everything in God is completed in threes. And so he come first to redeem his bride, come second as a rapture to take away his bride. Guess where we are now? We're in the second phase, right? And he comes third with his bride, king and queen. After, that's when many people are expecting the coming. So a lot of people are going to look for him, uh, you know, coming out of the eastern skies. And he says, but when he comes, hardly none but those who are ready will know when he comes. There'll just be an absence of people. Well, you know what? When, when Enoch left, there was an absence of a person. Today, when the rapture takes place, there'll be an absence of a people. And they won't know what happened to them. They'll just be caught away in a moment, and they just come up missing. Change in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. I find that strikingly similar to what Enoch's path was, is that he was there one moment, and then in another moment he was not there. What happened or what transpired, we really don't know. But you know what? It wasn't up to Enoch or us to figure it out. It was really up to God just to take him. And God saw something in Enoch before God took him. And when God was ready, he just took Enoch and he was gone. Sounds like the same thing happens to us. That at an appointed time, God's going to decide to shut it all down because he's going to turn to his brothers over there in Israel and he's going to just take that bride and place her somewhere else. She will not be dead. She will be in another place. I said, she'll be in a better place than where we are now. I thank God that we're here, but I'm thanking God for where we're going because where we're going is a better place than where we are today. And God's going to take... So from the observation point of view, from the earth's point of view, people will say, wow, I used to go by that church on Sunday morning and there was a whole bunch of cars in the parking lot and now there just ain't 
none. Wonder where they went. And I don't know if many people will look. I don't think many people really will care. Because when we come to that point, I believe the world will be breaking out in such chaos. And it really won't be worried about 40 or 50 of us or 100 of us. It'll be done. But now that's not the way we look at it. And that's not the way God looks at it. But that's the way that the observers would look at it from the outside. They'll just see an absence of people. Where there was people, there ain't no people. And that's all they know. For us, different story. For God, different story. I mean, you can imagine how if, if he... <laughs> If precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his people. That's what the Bible says, right? God looks at a soldier coming home, beat up in in battle and in the earthly journey, having to struggle and go through all the ravages of old age and probably sickness and all the other struggles of life. And then, uh, you know, to, to finally be in that old body and then to leave, going through the doorway of death and leave and come over on the other side. And now, I don't know whether the Lord meets you on the other side and, and, and you, he's the first hand you shake. I don't know. But I, I know this, that the Bible does say that precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. So he looks at that as your struggle is over. Your, your journey is finished. There's no more tears. There's no more sickness. There's no more doctor visits. There's no more anything else. Now you're free to enjoy all that eternity has for you. And God looks at that one way. We look at it on the other side. We had to go to the funeral home and we had to do all the things, you know, relative to a funeral home. But when God looks at that and he sees it, what a great thing. Now think about this. That when Enoch crossed over and God took him, from the world's perspective, they found him not. But from God's perspective, sorry, when the people's perspective, they couldn't find him. But from God's point of view, here's Enoch coming. He says, Enoch, you did it, buddy. You're the first one. You, you actually left the earth without death. That's not bad. And if I can do it with you, I can do it with others. And God knew he was going to do it with others. So Enoch breaks through, and he doesn't, have, he doesn't have to cast off a body that's dying with sickness and full of tumors or whatever else. He, he just, in whatever age that he was, whatever age he physically was, he just makes a step, and he leaves this dimension and breaks into that one over there and he's and he's with the people on the other side all of a sudden he's right there and seeing all those people on the other side wow now all i want you to do now multiply that by a whole bunch more and think about this bride in the last day who leave this earth not through the door of death but leave this earth and break over on the other side and I don't know who's going to be there to meet us. I really don't know. And I'm not really that worried about it. I just believe that when we get over on the other side, in, in the crowd, I'll recognize my mother. I'll recognize my mother-in-law. I'll, I'll recognize, you know, Sister Greg over on the other side. I believe Sister Greg, will be, she'll have her sneakers on when she's on the other side. and She'll be ready to go. She won't have polio no more. She'll be ready to go. Her and Brother Bragg over there on the other side. All the other saints, brother, brother Harold, and all of those, all of those believers that that you know made it to the other side ahead of us over there. And I don't know whether God will allow uh, members of our church that we've laid to rest on this side. Here's brother James over there standing, you know, on the other side, and just 
just wait, waiting for us. And I believe he'd have a question. Every time I ran into Brother James, he had a, he had a question for me, and a Bible question that he would, he would read, and he wouldn't understand something, so he'd highlight it and show me his Bible outside the door out there. I, you know, I, I, just, I just believe that uh, over on the other side, we'll break into that dimension over there, and we'll realize, wow, we're not there, we're here. We're not there. And I, I, this, is, this is not the body that I struggle with. This, is a, this, is all, this feels better. This feels good. No weariness, no tiredness, no, no struggle, no, no, a, a, a life without worry, a face without wrinkles, eyes without glasses. And you'll be over on the other side, no, no, no arm casts, no uh, foot, no ankle braces, no masks, no nothing over there on the other side. We'd just be over there and it'll be, I, I think the word would probably be just freedom, freedom. And then, you know, I don't know if we'll have time clocks over there. We will, I guess, until the millennium's over. But, you know, they'll, if this happens in the morning, they'll be preparing for morning service over there. We're going we're gonna to have morning service over there. We, we'll arrive just in time probably for a service and, and, and be over there. And be just our luck we miss a meal, but we get over there and time for church. And we get over there and you think, wow, what a crowd, what a, what a place. And these musicians get up, and here's David at the piano, playing the piano. Oh, so good. Asaph's the, the song leader. And, you know, they're just, they're, these guys know how to play harps and cymbals and, and all the other instruments that are there. And you think about the music, the heavenly music that's sounding out. And, oh, wow. And then you're thinking, wow, is, if this is that, who's preaching? And then Daniel walks up to the platform and says, good morning. I'd like to tell you what it was really like to be in the lion's den. I just knew he'd show up. Imagine. I mean, we, eyes not seen, ears not heard. You know, you just, you really can't, you can't describe it. You can't think about it. But, I mean, if, if I understand the Bible right, I mean, that's the reality of it. That one day we'll just, we'll step into that over there. And, and, and it'll be all those people that believed and all those people that trusted God. And then, you know, to have that and then the evening service, we have the evening service and you think, well, no one steps up to the pulpit. And then and all of a sudden you see and you, look, you turn the one you've closed your eyes and prayed to all your life. And now you open your eyes and you see the Lord Jesus standing there with a face that would melt, melt the polar ice caps. And you just, you're thinking... Is, is, and you just know it's him. I always remember Brother Biscoll talking about how it was like when he was with Brother Branham driving down the road and, and uh, the moose was there. You remember the, the story? And, and Brother Branham said that, or Brother Biscoll said that, that, he said there was something in the cab of that truck with us. And he said, I felt like if I moved, just blinked an eye, he said, I would die right there. He said it was such an overwhelming presence. And then Brother Biscoll, or sorry, Brother Branham just says to him, he said, it's all right, Brother Eddie. Whenever he comes, something good always happens. He said, that moose is yours. Don't worry, don't, that moose is yours. And he gets out and just, you know, takes the moose down. And you imagine, you know, if that's in an earthly body and in a form that we could not see, imagine what it would be like to be in the same room, the same space with him, and to see him come and stand at the... All your life you've closed your eyes and thought about Jesus and looked at him in pictures, and then all of a sudden he's standing there. Folks, listen, if I understand the timeline right, we're not far from that moment. We get over on the other side.
when all of a sudden you as the bride are not. You're not. You're in another place. And it won't be your doing. It'll be God's rapturing power and God's rapturing grace and God's rapturing faith that he's quickening you. And one day you just, you've got enough of all three just to take that step and you're on the other side and you're with everybody that's over there. You get to shake Brother Brown's hand. And you get to see all these people. And, oh, I'd have to ask Martin Luther, did you know, did you know that the day you nailed those 95 theses on the door of the Wittenberg Church, that they turned that into Halloween? Because October 31st is the day that Martin Luther nailed 95 theses to the church door in Wittenberg. And I'm sure he'd say, Halloween, what's that? You know, us ex-Catholics, we'd want to get together and at least have a lunch together and, and talk about things, you know. But you can, you can imagine how, you know, the, the church age messengers over there and John, there's John Wesley, Charles Wesley. That's the Apostle Paul. Yeah, you, you, you say, Brother Barry, you're just you're looking for for material to end the service. I, I am, but uh, let me let me just say this. Let me say this. It's going to happen one day. I don't know how exactly it's going to happen, but all I know is what the Bible says that this this whole event is not a complicated thing. Enoch walked with God, and he was not for God took him. One day the bride will walk with God in such a way that she'll be not. God will take her. Let's stand to our feet. And you'll be transported into an environment, into a place where all we've ever thought about and prayed about and wondered about, all the things that we imagined over the years of serving God and being in church and reading your Bible and all of those people that lived for God, died for God all through the ages there. And all of a sudden they're all there in their glory and in their youth and in their, in their rejoicing. And you're the last, you know, they without us are not made perfect. So here we come in. And now, hey, it's a perfect, complete bride. We're all there. Everybody's there. And now we can begin to face eternity and we can enjoy life now as it will never end. I mean, that'll be a glorious thing. And on the timeline, we're not that far from that event. However it is, we're not that far because we're not at the first age and we're not in the dark ages. We're right at the very end here when all of this will eventually come to pass. And there will come a day when we'll be only a step from that place. We'll only be a step from that place. And in that day, I believe God will have us full of rapturing power, rapturing grace and rapturing faith. I believe that's what, it, that's what we'll need to get over on the other side. Don't abuse that grace. Don't disregard that power. That's a power. Let me tell you, that's you can have all of the all of the financial power and intellectual power and political power. You can have all of that. I'd rather have rapturing power, wouldn't you? Lord, give me rapturing power that I can I can be strong enough to make that step. But everybody around me might be saying, "Ah, that's silliness. That's not going to happen." But you know what? I, I I believe we've got the power. I believe we've got the power to make that step and to be on the other side. I want that kind of power. I don't know about you. I, like Brother Bram prayed over there, he said, Lord, may they crave, may they have this craving in their hearts. I pray that God will end those meetings down there and give our young people a craving for things that, that are spiritual and things that are eternal and things that are based on the Word of God. 
just, just develop that in their hearts. My goodness, what a day. What will it be when we get over yonder and join the throng? Sing with me, John, if you will. The glassy sea. And we'll greet our loved ones and crown Christ forever oh this is just what heaven means to me sing that again now oh what will it be when we get over yonder and we'll join throng upon the glassy sea and we'll meet our loved ones and crown Christ forever oh yes this is just heaven my heart, oh God, and make it ever true. Change my heart, oh God, may I be like you. Make this your prayer now, Lord, mold my heart. For you are the potter, I am the clay, and mold me and make me, this is what I pray, change my heart, oh God. Give him glory this morning. Let's give him honor and praise this morning. Tell of his love. Oh, we'll give all the glory to Jesus. And we'll tell of his wonderful love. Sing it again now. Yes, we'll give all the glory to Jesus and tell of His love. 
Yes, we'll tell of His love. We'll give all the glory to Jesus. And we'll tell of His wonderful love. Stop for a minute. You know, when you get over there, You'll have to say to everybody over there, I'm here because of the grace of God. I'm here because he loved me. I'm here because he forgave me, right? And the problem is that when you get over there and say that, everybody else will say the same thing back to you. Yeah, me too. Me too. Because we'll all be over there by the grace of God, right? For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So none of us deserve to be over there. You know what you need to do? You need to start testifying of the love of God and the grace of God on this side before we get over on that side. Because you'll find people over here that don't have the same story as you. And they don't have the same uh, experience of redemption as you over on this side right here. But you know, by talking about it, by testifying of it, you may find somebody that might ask you, Well, how'd you have that? How did you get that? Where did you experience, where did you find that? And you'll tell them, it's something you can't Google. It's something you can't buy. It's something you can't learn. It's just something that God extends to you by His grace. And you just need to turn your heart to Him. So I believe it's a good thing for us over on this side to give the glory to Jesus because it'll be easy to do that over on the other side, won't it? It'll be easy because you'll be in a, a, a whole, uh, whole host of people that have experienced exactly the same thing. Let's sing it again. We'll give all the glory to Jesus. Yes, and we'll tell of His love. Lord, we'll tell of your love, and we'll give all the glory to Jesus, and we'll tell of his wonder. Sing it again now. That should be our prayer today. We thank you, Lord, for your love. Oh, we'll give all the glory. You deserve all the glory, all the honor, Lord. We thank you for your love to us. We thank you for your kindness to us. Oh, we thank you, Jesus. We'll tell of his love. Oh, we'll give all the glory to Jesus. And we'll tell of his wonderful love. So between here and there, wherever there is, we'll say, order my steps in your word, dear Lord. Is that the key of C you're in there? Order my steps in your word, dear Lord. Let's sing now, everybody. Send your anointing, Father, I pray. Order my steps in your word. Please order my steps in your word. I want to walk worthy according to thy word. Please order my steps, Lord. 
still the same if you'll order my steps I'll praise your name everybody now let's sing it together order my steps in your word dear Lord lead me and guide me every day send your anointing father I pray order my steps Yes, order my steps in your word. I want to walk worthy according to thy word. Please order my steps, Lord, and I'll do your blessed will. The world is ever changing. Still the same if you'll order my steps. I'll praise your name. Glory. Every single word of that last verse is true. You know that? Just throw it back up there again. Every single word of that. Order my. I, I want to walk worthy, Lord. This this would be uh, uh, the prayer of a believer. I want to walk worthy according to my ambition. No, but according to thy word. And please order my steps, Lord, and I'll do your blessed will. I mean, I, I think this I, I think this is true enough that you shouldn't be singing it unless you really mean it. I'll do your blessed will. The world's ever changing. That's true. But you're still the same. And if you'll order my steps, I'll praise your name. But Lord, you've got to have a willing heart to say, I'm going to walk according to your word, your will, your way, not my way, not my agenda, not my heart even, but I'm going to walk according to your word. Because you know what? I believe that's what Enoch did. And that got Enoch a body change. And that's what we're all walking towards. That's what we're all living for. Sing it again. I want to walk worthy according thy word please order my steps Lord and I'll do your blessed will the world is ever changing but you are still the same if you'll order my steps I'll praise your Yonder to be with my Lord. 
Yes, I'm going up to yonder. Lord, I'm going up to yonder to be with my Lord. Now I can take the pain. I can take the pain. And the heartache it brings. Comfort in no I'll soon be gone. I'll amen that. So as God gives me grace, I'm going to run this race till I see my Savior face to face. Sing it now. Oh, I'm going up to yonder. Lord, I'm going up to yonder. So until that time, hey, listen, you know what? We, we, we ought to have a song of praise Amen. on our lips. We ought to have an answer of peace to somebody who asks us. They ought, we ought to be ready to have a, a, a ready response, a scriptural response. People say, what makes you different? And, you know, why, why are you like you are? And, and so forth. And we ought, to, we ought to be able to say to them, you want to know where I'm going? I, I know where the world's going. That's obvious. You can read your paper and figure out where the world's going, right? <clears throat> But I'm going to another place. And I, I'm going to another place. And once we get to that place, there'll be no turning back. There'll be no turning back. There'll be no coming back. That's who we are. That's, that's our message. That's what we have in the last day. You don't have to come up with a message. You don't have to come up with uh, theology or anything else. Hey, God's already revealed himself in our time. We've got message books we can give them. We've got all kinds of things that we can supply to somebody. You just need to be the vessel, the voice. It carries a truth that there is a light in this last day. And God's placed you right in the middle of it. And for that, we should be a people who are, certainly feel honored. <clears throat> so, leave it and see. All I want to do is love Him. I'm so glad I feel His love for me. And my Jesus paid the price of redemption on the cross of Calvary. Every day my heart will praise Him. Oh, and I know I'll never be the same. All I want to do Love him, love his holy. One more time. Oh, yes, all I want to do is love him. I'm so glad I feel his love for me. And my Jesus paid the price of redemption. On the cross 
of Calvary. And now every day my heart will praise Him. And I know I'll never be the same. So all I want to do is love Him, love His holy name. Let's bow our heads together. Let me ask you a simple question with your heads bowed. How many of you would like to have rapturing power, rapturing grace, and rapturing faith? Heavenly Father, you see your hands are raised and mine are raised too. Every believer in their right mind knows that we need those three. And Lord, I believe that's what Enoch had, and I believe that got him out of here. Father, we are not a, a people that are perfect in the flesh. We know that. Lord, our thoughts sometimes that we wander all over the place. But Lord, I believe for the believer, for the bride of Christ, our hearts are in the right place. And Lord, that right place is next to you. So Lord, I just ask that you would just... Just quicken in our hearts a rapturing power, rapturing grace, rapturing faith. And your, your prophet came, Lord, not to take away what we had, but rather to strengthen all that we did have and to bring out all we could be. And Lord, I ask now that you would just strengthen the, the inner man, Lord, of every believer under the sound of my voice. And Lord, may you do that among the bride all over the earth. Father, we love you today and we thank you for the people. We ask, oh God, now that you would just go with us in our homes and our places of rest. And, and Lord, may we, the rest of the day be blessed. We, we thank you, Lord, because you're still a healer. You're still a deliverer. You want to cares about everything that we go through, Lord. And we think, Lord, of Sister Smith and Lord, of suffering that she's been through. And may, Father, you just undertake for her and give her the strength that she needs today, Lord. And our father, brother Jaron's grandmother, sister Brown, served you, Lord, many, many, many years. And now, Lord, laying in the hospital bed, and I, I just ask, oh God, that you would just be merciful to her. Give her that touch, Lord, that she needs. Protect all those that are traveling today, Lord, and back from the camp. And Lord, may you just minister to them mightily, we pray. We thank you, Lord, for our opportunities to be together today. And, Lord, strengthen every family and every heart in your service. In Jesus' lovely name we pray. Amen and amen and amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your love and mercy to it. Amen. Sing it as you go this morning. As the deer panteth for the waters so my soul longeth after thee you alone are my heart's desire and my long to worship thee
much more than anything. You alone are my strength, my shield. To you alone does my spirit yield. You to you. 